This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Well, good morning, kindred family. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning, kindred family. It's so good to be with you uh, this morning. As Pastor Daniel said, I don't get to be here as often as I'd like, but I love it when I'm able to be here. We're going to continue on in our forgiveness sermon series this morning. And today's conversation is going to be about revenge. I know this is a tough conversation, and I'm here for one Sunday, and this is the topic. Uh, But we figured you'd need it this morning after last night's basketball game, because somebody in here would be thinking about revenge. Uh, You know, whether it was uh, Duke or Carolina, somebody would have revenge on their mind. And people from NC State always choose violence around basketball. They always thinking about vengeance no matter what when it relates to Duke or Carolina. So we figured you'd need it this morning. As we uh, prepare to have this conversation, please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so I want to begin with a very important but also a controversial question. And it is this. Who has had the best iteration of Batman? Uh, Which actor uh, has had the best iteration of Batman? Go ahead, call it out. Who Who do you think? Christian Bale. Got a Christian Bale vote for Christian Bale? Who else? Val Kilmer. Ooh, wow, interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a minority, but a strong minority. Yes, yes. Uh, anyone else? Michael Keaton. Oh, very good. You know, this is, this is a very unusual for me to do um, as, a, as a Methodist clergy person because we like to think and let think. But I'm going to tell you, friends, there's only one correct answer to that question. There's only one. And that is Kevin Conroy, Batman the Animated Series. That is the correct answer to the question. And for those of you who, who know that cartoon, you know, there's this moment where Batman says, I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. I mean, it's great. It's perfect. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. And, and people love it. People love Batman because Batman takes justice into his own hands. He's a person uh, just like you and me, well, billions, but uh, just like you and me, who uh, trains a lot, works out a lot. Okay, so he's not always like all of us, but still, we, we feel like we've got the potential to be like him. And he cares so much for justice. Don't we care about justice? He takes matters into his own hands. He takes that pain that he feels because of the wrongs of the world, and he does something about it. I am vengeance, he says. As much as we may enjoy this cartoon uh, depiction of uh, Batman, this comic depiction of Batman, It's not 
representative of the way of the cross. We often want vengeance, but that is not what Christ calls us to. When we think about this in our political world, both people on the right and left have issues with this. Folks on the right might say, look, if you're, if you're too nice, if you're too winsome, if you're too soft on these people, how will justice be served? If you, if you do that, these people who are trying to take advantage of us and take advantage of the system are going to weaken our country. We can't do that. But likewise, people on the left might say, look, you got to stay angry, friends. If, if you lose your sense of moral outrage, you will just let all these injustices, all these oppressions that are hurting marginalized communities remain. We can't do that. We've got to stand up when we see some kind of injustice. When people have wronged us, we don't just you know, lean back and say, hey, I, I'm going to be nice here. I'm going to be kind here. Let me just forgive you and let them keep on going. Because what if they continue to offend in these ways? What if they continue their patterns of harm? We've got to do something. Everyone, right or left, feels we've got to do something. Often believing that forgiveness is the opposite of justice often believing that forgiveness is the opposite of justice. And as Pastor Daniel talked about, um, or as your, um, uh, who do we have last week? Yeah, Pastor Daniel talked to the last week, um, thinking about all the different speakers. I know them in my head. Um, talked about last week. It's, um, this is how forgiveness fades. This is how it erodes in our lives and in our community because sometimes we fail to believe that the forgiveness that's talked about through the cross of Jesus Christ is actually what will create real and lasting justice in the world. Uh, a, a paradigmatic image of, of forgiveness for me, and I, I mentioned this at the university campus last week, is from the Amish community. In, in um, the winter or fall of 2006, uh, in an Amish classroom, a gunman came in, shot 10 children ages 7 to 13. Five of them uh, died, and then the gunman uh, took his own life. This was uh, especially poignant for me this, this time because uh, for the first time ever, I, I was a parent. And um, my son was just a few months old, my eldest son. I've got three sons. Uh, he was just a few months old. And I began to imagine myself like one of those parents who had to respond to this. How would I have responded to the, to the sadness, to the pain of this loss? An imaginable loss, and, and we've sadly seen this repeated over and over and over again in our, our country's life. How would I, looking at the face of, of my young son, how would I have responded if he were in a classroom 
like that. No, I'm a Texan. And you know, Texan uh, justice and forgiveness often ends with a smoking barrel and with as much gravel in your voice as you can muster saying, you're forgiven. That's, that's what it looks like. It's Old West justice. If someone does that to you, it look, it's an eye for an eye. It's a tooth for a tooth. This story is a very old story in our world's life. But that's not how the Amish community responded. Within the same day, members of the Amish community were reaching out to the assailant's family to offer forgiveness and care to them. And so those people like me with that that Texas Old West ethic or or with, with whatever other feelings we might carry, we're amazed. I couldn't imagine a community responding like that. As a way to speak to the pain and the anguish this community had, their response wasn't revenge. Their response to their own pain and suffering was forgiveness. And the rest of us, even people in the rest of the church, said, how? I can't imagine responding in that way. A couple years later, folks do a study and they, they assert that the reason the American public was so fascinated by the response of the Amish community is because, generally speaking, in our civic, popular civic ethics, we do not have the disciplines to respond that way. We've not been formed or shaped to respond in the way that the Amish community responded. We're more formed or shaped for for vengeance and retaliation than we are for forgiveness. So they said, we just do not have the public capacity together to respond in the same kind of way the Amish community responded. Because the Amish community builds into its life regular patterns and disciplines around forgiveness. Now, we do it when we come to the table corporately here in this space. There will be a, a prayer of confession that we will lift up. And there will be this moment of absolution where we confess and we are absolved. The Amish repeat this pattern of confession and absolution over and over and over and over again such that it's so deep within them, deep within their spirits, deep within their souls, that when something like that happens, the knee-jerk response is forgiveness. There's this uh, YouTube uh, video going around where uh, there's a fellow, I think he's the the governor of of Illinois, talks about this, this culture of cruelty that we uh, develop in, in our public life. 
And he says that, you know, this is an animal instinct. If, if harm is done to you, it's a natural instinct. It's a survival mode. It's why so many, it's why we're all here. At some point, these kinds of instincts kicked in at places in our family line such that we could still be here. If something's done to you, you, you react with a, a, an equal reaction to make sure that harm doesn't happen to you. Look, if, if you offend me, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You see, all over the animal kingdom, right? I don't know if y'all watch Animal Planet. I do. Um, if you attack me, I'm going to attack you. That's how it works. I've seen this with lions and hyenas and all other kinds of animals and creatures. This is how it works. It's a survival instinct. And so what this, what this governor says is, in order to develop compassion and empathy, we actually have to have an evolved sense. We've got to move beyond those animal instincts. And I'd say the same thing in the life of the church. We've got to move beyond these basic instincts around revenge and retaliation if we are going to be the church, if we're going to be a people who can forgive. And so Paul writes in Romans 12 here, beginning with verse 17, don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions. Don't do it. But show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, dear friends, but leave that to God, the Apostle Paul will say. Gregory Boyle writes a, a book. It's really kind of a compilation of uh, his other three books, and it's got uh, these sayings and art um, by one of, uh, one of his friends in it. And the title of the book is Forgive Everyone Everything. Forgive Everyone Everything. It's kind of a devotional book. And we say, forgive everyone everything. That sounds beautiful, but I don't know if I want to do that. Because I can think of people that I'm not so sure I should forgive and certainly not forgive them everything. We can all think of a, a former boss or a former friend or former spouse or a parent or a child or a sibling or the government or a political party. We can all think of someone that we should not forgive. We don't think we should forgive because of the pain that they have caused us. Talk about racial reconciliation. I, I've, I've heard folks in the midst of, of the black community say, look, you just can't forgive all these white folk for all of this white supremacy. I mean, they can, you know, there can be lots of apology and things like that, but at some level, if you completely absolve, you're going to allow white supremacy to live, and so you got to hold something back. 
Or maybe it's folks in the, in the LGBTQ community who say, look, these straight folks have so hurt and offended us that there's, there's no way that I can completely forgive, completely let go of offense. I've got to hold something in certain ways. I've got to hold people accountable to the things that they have done. Or you might have women who say, look, this toxic masculinity is out there and it is it's absolutely destroying my life, the life of society. I know people say I should just forgive, but no, I just can't do that. Or you might have trans women who say to these turf feminists, as, as they're called, look, I cannot forgive them because, look, this story can go on and on and on. I can continue to name people in these different orientations. And we say, there's just no way I can forgive that. I cannot let it go. And in certain ways, if they're going to be held accountable, if there's going to be any kind of justice, I need some kind of retaliation here. I need some kind of vengeance here. I cannot let this go. And this is the popular narrative that fills our society. Again, right or left or in between, it fills our society. Yet this narrative is not the narrative of the gospel. This is why the gospel message is so powerful and so gripping because in the life of Jesus, we see a different response. And in the life of Jesus, we are called to a different response, a different way of being. And it takes discipline. It takes discipline to live in a different way. Three disciplines I would commend to you. The first is this. If someone has, has offended you, you can't just keep, if, if, if they've offended you and if you've offered a word of forgiveness, and, and again, forgiveness is, is promising to God that, that though you could take revenge, though you could take it out on somebody else, you're releasing that. You're releasing that to God and saying, God, that's your department, not mine. My response here is to forgive. And so, so three disciplines that can accompany that is, is one, not to forgive or say you forgive and then keep on rehearsing that offense with somebody else. Uh, I mean, you don't have to show hands or confess this, but I imagine you may have done this once or twice or may have had this done to you. Uh, um, so somebody has offended you, say, okay, I forgive you, I forgive you. And then six months later, and you're having an argument, and you bring it, you remember when you did that thing? That's not exactly forgiveness. That's, that's revisiting it upon someone else because you, you know that it will hurt. And it's a clear example that, that you've not, not let that thing go and not released that thing to God. Another is not bringing it up to others. So maybe it's, it's not that person who offended you. Maybe it's somebody else where you just keep on going, you know, she did that thing or, or he did that thing or they did that thing. And you just keep on 
bring it up over and over again. And it makes that other person or those other persons angry at this other person or those other persons that you want them to be angry at. And in some way, you are satisfied by that because you still have not released that desire to hold it over them. And so don't continue to revisit it. Don't continue to share it with others and and stew over it, but also in your own heart. Don't stew over that thing. Sometimes I can say, I forgive you or, or, you know, I forgive them. And then it just stays there in my heart. It stays there in my mind. And I just continue to let those coals burn hot. And maybe nobody sees that but God. Maybe no one sees that. Maybe no one knows that but God. But God knows that that's in my heart. And, and nine times out of ten, at some point, that volcano in my spirit will just erupt and somebody else is going to be hurt by it. So if we're actually going to release release our, our sense that um, we have the right to hold something over someone else or we have the right to that kind of, of revenge, we have to not keep bringing it up not bring it up to others and not keep bringing it up to ourselves. And then just one more thing here. Sometimes we might say that I struggle not to forgive others, but I struggle to forgive myself. And I hold it over myself. And I simply say this, that if that is the, the case, it's a clear example that there is some other God other than the God in Jesus Christ that is shaping you. Uh, there's some kind of idolatry uh, there. There's, some, there's something that, some kind of belief system that is more important there. Because if we lean into our relationship with God who we know in Jesus Christ, these things become easy because forgiveness. We, rec- we know the forgiveness of God for us. But these kinds of things for hard are hard the more distant we are from our relationship with God. So my challenge for you this week as you think about these things, these difficult matters related to forgiveness, is to think about the scripture from Micah, you know, um, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. We're going to talk about justice and how the cross and the injustice work together in forgiveness next week. This week, remember to love mercy. This is part of who God is, is mercy. So we love God, and because we love God, we learn to love what God loves and love, learn to love who God is. And that is tender, loving kindness, and it is mercy. Love mercy, dear friends. Love mercy more than you love revenge. Love more than you love vengeance. Love it more than you love holding something over someone else. Love mercy and allow and know the mercy of God and allow that mercy to shape your life. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the ways that you have showered us with your grace.
for the ways that you have forgiven us and how that transforms our very lives. Help us to be a people that cling to mercy. And because we cling to mercy, we're able to let go of offense. And may this create something beautiful not only in our lives, but in the life of the entire world. In Christ's holy name, amen.